So the, uh, this morning's been a lot of fun. It's been fun to get to know John a little bit. Uh, there's one little mistake we realized, though. Uh, we should have uh, had him come up uh, before the offering. Um, maybe, maybe he could have done some little trick, and uh, it could have been a really, really good Sunday. But anyway, um, uh, it's going to be uh, fun. We look forward to uh, celebrating that uh, with you. The reason that we're doing that, the reason we invited him and want him to be a a part of this is we want to, uh, we, we're talking about enjoying life, enjoying the journey. And so we want you to be able to enjoy this time with your friends, with your family, with your spouse, with your kids, family-friendly event. Feel free to invite your neighbors, etc. It's going to be fun. The context of this series overall is that uh, we've been talking about from this day forward. And so that's why we have these journals to walk through on a daily basis. We can walk through this idea of identifying some significant relationship in your life, whether it's your marriage or your kids or your uh, parents or your uh, siblings or your friends or whatever, identify some significant relationship in your life that perhaps could use a little bit of attention right now. And then in what way can we, from this day forward, act differently towards those people for the benefit of that relationship? The phrase, from this day forward, it comes from our modern weddings, where we say, from this day on, I'm going to be different. I'm going to act differently. I'm going to respond differently um, for the sake of this relationship. Because the reality is, these relationships, these significant relationships that we have that we're talking about here in this series, they can be difficult. They can be hard work. They can be exhausting. And so what we're talking about today is... Are you enjoying that journey? Are you enjoying that relationship? Again, that's why we want to have this, uh, this event here at 6 o'clock to just kind of come and relax and enjoy being together, enjoying one another. Are you enjoying your most significant relationships or are you enduring them? Are you saying, uh, are, you say, are you kind of maximizing the opportunity to enjoy those relationships, or are you saying, one day I'll enjoy these relationships, one day I'll enjoy life. Once this happens, once I get this item, or make this amount of money, or get over this health concern, or land that account, or whatever might be on your list, once that thing around the corner happens, then I will enjoy the journey. Or are we able to say in a different way, are we able to say despite our circumstances, I want to enjoy these people right now. My hope today as we talk, as we gather here, as we celebrate baptisms, as we uh, come back together at 6 o'clock, is that your joyometer goes up just a notch. Just goes up just one notch as we uh, enjoy being together and are reminded that we have many things to be thankful about. Now, as always, I could come up here and talk blah, 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 but there's uh, not so much value that comes out of that. What we want to do is we gather here in this space, and the reason we have a Bible buried underneath this uh, platform here in the front is that we stand on the authority of Scripture. And so I want to take a look at some words from a small book in our New Testament called 1 Thessalonians. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there with me. 1 Thessalonians. It's written by a guy named Paul. Paul wrote the, uh, the majority of our New Testament in the form of letters. He was a leader in the church, and he wrote to a number of different cities 
and the names of those letters were, were they come from the city that they were written to. So there was a city called Thessalonica, and that's why this letter is called uh, Thessalonians, First Thessalonians and, and Second Thessalonians, two different letters sent to this church. Now, this is a short book, it's a short letter that Paul writes, and I want to take a look at a short verse at the end of this letter. Chapter 5, there's only five chapters here in this, cha in this uh, book, and in verse 16 of chapter 5, Paul simply says, rejoice always. Now, for those of you who are into memorizing scripture, let me just offer this as a suggestion, okay? This is kind of a, this is an easy one for you. This, the entire verse is two words. There, there are other versions of this verse that say, that say uh, always be joyful. And so we might look at the word rejoice and think, well, that kind of sounds churchy or religious. But it, it also could be uh, said, always be joyful. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a couple different responses to a verse like this, the simplicity of a verse like this. There are moments when this kind of verse can be a helpful reminder for me to just say, rejoice always, absolutely. I mean, I just need a reminder sometimes that I have plenty of things to be thankful for, plenty of things that I, that I can experience joy about, absolutely. But there are other times where, to be honest, I, I hear a verse like that and it just kind of is thrown at me or I go to somebody's house and I see it written on a plaque somewhere in their home and my initial response is, yeah, that's not happening. I don't know about you, but just sometimes the most annoying thing we can experience in life is a Christian cheerleader who is saying, joy, 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 happy, happy, turn that frown upside down. And I just want you to come over here, I'll turn that, that smile upside down. Sometimes you know, we kind of the reality of it is just a couple words when we're in a, in a desperate for joy situation in life, a couple words on a screen that we read here in, in the Bible, that, that I need more than that. I, I sometimes need more than that when I'm in those, those low joy periods. And so what I want to do is I want to back up here in First, Thess in, uh, First Thessalonians, find out what leads Paul to say these words to this church. What's going on? What, what leads him to say at the end of this letter, rejoice always. Because we can't just read things in Scripture and, and decide, you know what, that sounds too Pollyannish. I'm not interested, I'm moving on. It's Scripture. We have to kind of look and say, even if I don't like it sometimes, I've got to find out why is it in there? Why did God protect that to be part of His Word? So, backing up in the book of 1 Thessalonians, the very beginning, it's just a short book, but in, in chapter 1 of this book, verse 6, Paul writes, you became, he's talking to that church, he said, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. What Paul is saying here at the beginning of this letter is, you are doing well, Thessalonians. Things are going well for you. In fact, Paul sends his buddy Timothy to this city to check out, to see how things are going. And he makes a comment about it in chapter 3, verse 6. He says, But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. And then he says at the beginning of chapter 4, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, 
We instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. What he's saying in multiple different ways here in this chapter is, church, you are doing well. Way to go. So as a result, you can rejoice always. He doesn't have to say to this church, like he does in many other situations where he writes these letters, he doesn't have to say, folks, you don't get it. You're living selfish lives. He doesn't have to say, you are not living generously. You are not thinking about or caring about the poor at all. You are trapped in addictions. You are justifying sexual immorality. Despite what God says, you are doing whatever you want to do in terms of your sexuality. He doesn't have to say that to the church in Thessalonica. He says, well done. Good job. And as a result, rejoice always. In other words, when we live lives that are in line with how God has set things up, we will experience joy. We will be in line with the joy, with the true joy that God has for us. Joy is not dependent on our circumstances. This is the one we get tripped on so often. Just think that joy is about opportunities that I have or ways that people respond to us or if I get this or if somebody does this or if somebody else does that. Those are all things that are outside of us. Joy is something we get to experience regardless of our circumstances. Joy is, however, dependent on our obedience to God. It's not dependent on our circumstances. It's dependent on our obedience to God. And the church in Thessalonica is doing well. They are obedient to God. So as a result, they are experiencing joy. We like to talk around here about realizing your role in God's story. When we do that, when we tap into the role that God has for us as men and women, husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, friends, bosses, co-workers, uh, servants here in some area of the church, whatever, when we realize our role, we will experience joy. We will get to have joy in our lives. That's the way this works. He's saying, you can rejoice always, church, because you're doing well. You're doing well. Good job. I love a phrase that Paul uses in chapter 4, verse 1 that I read just a moment ago. He uses this phrase, live in order to please God. I love this idea of pleasing God. I love the idea of making decisions in my own life, deciding what I'm going to do this upcoming week in a way that would please my God. I'm not interested in pleasing some distant cosmic being, some entity who created the world and then separated himself from the world. I'm not interested in, in pleasing that kind of uh, being, which is why I love the metaphor that Scripture uses to help us out, referring to, to our God as Father. I, I want to, I understand the idea of pleasing my Father. Every child wants to please his or her Father, even though we all have imperfect fathers. There's this thing in us that says, I understand that part of it. Love this idea of pleasing our Father. That was a 
great line in a movie a number of years ago that many of us are familiar with, Chariots of Fire. How many have seen Chariots of Fire? Okay, not all that many. Uh, it is three hours long. I mean, it's a long, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a quite the journey. That's the running movie, and it's the story of Eric Liddell, who is a Scottish runner who has to make the decision of whether he is going to go into the mission field or he is going to uh, run uh, competitively because um, he's a very, very good runner. And there's this classic scene where he's on the hills of Scotland and he has a meeting with his sister who really wants him to go to the mission field and he's trying to explain to her, he says, God made me fast. He said, when I run, I feel his, anybody? I heard it. Pleasure. Love that line. When I run, I feel God's pleasure. That's not what I feel when I run. Let me just tell you. But when he runs, when he is in line with who God has made him to be, he says, I feel God's pleasure. I, I, I have kids who run uh, competitively and they've at different levels, etc. My um, son is a runner over at DV on the cross country team right now. And uh, I want to make it very clear to him, and I hope I have, that I am pleased with him regardless of what place he landed on, on a race. My pleasure, my delight in him as his father is not about what order he finishes the race in. It's about the process. It's about him being, learning about discipline and, and caring for other people in the process and being respectful to the coach and working hard and be excited and being a part of a team and being a good teammate and encourage others and, and having others on the team want you to be part of it and all of that stuff. My, my delight in him, it's, it's, about, it's about so many things other than just winning the prize. I have gone to many of these cross-country meets, and I know some of you have as well, but just to paint a picture, for high school, it's a 3.1-mile uh, run that they kind of meander through, usually a golf course or some large field. So the parents then can see the kids. They can go right up to the line and see the kids run by and cheer them on and, and then go run over to another spot and see them at another spot in the, in the run, etc. And I, I find it interesting some of the things that parents will say to cheer their kids on in a cross-country race, and I think it's I think it's so interesting when a, you know when a parent will just kind of see their kid coming up and go, "Run faster!" I just think that's hilarious. I mean, these kids are running multiple sub-six-minute miles. They're fast, and you know the parents are like slogging around on the field at you know 15-minute miles, where and they're saying, "Run faster!" I mean, I just think the whole thing it just cracks me up. It's, it's hilarious. It's just they're expecting the kids to go. Oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Thanks, Mom. You know, and then, boom, they go to the very front of the thing. Um, what I like to say to my uh, kid who's running at DV, uh, and I have said it multiple times, I hope he's heard me. I want you to enjoy the experience. Uh, you're in high school on a great team with a great group of guys, great coaches. Enjoy the experience. If, if you get joy out of waking up early and pushing yourself and going to the maximum and, and just getting 
cutting a few seconds off and pushing and pushing and going forward. If you get joy out of that, if you're enjoying that experience, fantastic, great. I will drive you, I'll support you, I'll go with you on Saturday mornings for the long runs, etc. Great, fantastic. But if you feel stressed out in this journey, you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders and, and you're just, you don't enjoy the practices, you don't enjoy, don't enjoy the races, you're just doing it because you think there's an expectation from your dad or whatever, then maybe you need to back off. Because you're in high school. You're supposed to enjoy these years. Are you enjoying the experience? Are you enjoying the journey? I get to ask that because, because I'm the father. See, fathers, mothers, parents, we have a perspective on our kids in elementary school and middle school and high school and whatever. We have a perspective on their experience that they don't have. That's the benefit and the beauty of being the parent. We've been there before. We have a perspective that they don't have. So we watch a teenager come home and they've been dating somebody for a month and a half and then it, 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 it dissolved, it broke off and they're just devastated and they're just, their life is over. And they're, they're moping around listening to Adele songs and just wondering what the future might hold and they're just thinking back to those to the good times two weeks ago and 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 so you as a parent you're you're watching all this and you're just kind of going you know you're just kind of half laughing you know but you but you because you know from your perspective they are going to get over this but we know because we've been there it's a big deal for them it's a huge deal i'm not making fun of it i know i remember it's a big deal but from the perspective of the parent sees things differently and just says, just says, okay, how can we coach you through this? How can we love you through this? Consider that the, the parent has a perspective that the child doesn't have. God is our Father. And He has a perspective on your life that you don't have. We are children of God. And so... He, he understands things that we don't understand. He can see things we don't see. He has a perspective that we don't have. At one point in Scripture, he, he, says, he says, I hate divorce. Talking about relationships and key relationships in our lives, God says, I hate divorce. I hate what it does to my kids. Sometimes from our perspective, we see divorce sometimes as the shortest pathway to me experiencing joy again. If I can just get out of this relationship, if I can just start something new, pursue something new, I've seen it happen on other people, I've seen other stories, it'll be great. The kids will be fine, and we will pursue this other journey. And God, who has a different perspective on the whole thing, says, oh, no. You have no idea what you are capable of if you would both just surrender everything to me. And let me help you walk through this thing that just seems insurmountable. You have no idea the joy that you could experience if you could surrender this to me and watch how this relationship could be restored, reclaimed, and renewed. God just has a perspective that we don't have. And when we live in order to please God, even on those seasons and moments and times when we we're not comfortable with it. It's not what we want to do. It's not what we think is the shortest path to joy. When we live in order to please God, we 
will feel his pleasure under the desert. We will experience true joy. Let me share this with you in another way. I want to I want to literally paint a picture here. It's kind of fun. I have this new little toy. Yeah. It's supposed to be the Canadian flag, but it looks like cannabis, so I didn't... But anyway, I just wanted to make sure it works. So, so this is, let, me just, let me just paint a picture of what I mean by this idea of realize your role and enjoy the journey. Okay, so imagine that this tube is, is the grand epic story of humanity. It's the story that God is telling, the story of redemption and sacrifice and love and hope. It's the grand story that we find in Scripture. It is a story that was happening long before we came around. It's happened for thousands, millions of years, depending on your understanding of how old the earth is. And it is a story that will continue on into the future until Jesus chooses to come back. It's a story I like to refer to, to it as the whole shebang, the whole story. And you and I get to have access to part of this story. We, we have access to this tube, this section of the story. And this story is, is, is what makes life meaningful, that any book that we read that we enjoy or any movie that we watch and we, we tear up because something is moving inside us, regardless of, what, of your beliefs, I believe that's God showing you the grand story. That thing that, that, that stirs up in you, there's some part of it that goes, that's who God is. That's what God wants for us, etc. That thing that gets stirred up. The writer of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament says that eternity is written on the human heart. So this whole story is, is we have access to it regardless of our understanding of the Bible. We have access to this grand epic story. And when we are in that story, we experience great joy. What happens, of course, is that we, we, we sometimes are not aware of that story. And so early on, we grew up. We didn't grow up having access to the story, etc. And so we're going through life and we're seeking joy. It's natural. We want to try this and there's lots of shiny things to try. And we want to experience joy this way and that way. And, and, and we're pursuing things. Well, that was kind of fun, etc. But what happens is none of these things are sustainable joy because we haven't tapped into our purpose in life yet. We haven't, we haven't realized our role. We're, we're just kind of reaching out and trying to figure some things out. But where the real joy comes from is when we tap into, when we roll into this grand story that God has for us. What also happens sometimes is that we're moving along and we, we're a part of the story. We understand the story. We're, and then there's something that kind of pulls us out of that story. There's some shiny object that is drawing our attention. See, that's what temptation is. Temptation is this luring that says, I want to pull you out of the story. That is the work of the enemy. That is the effort of the enemy, and he's very good at it, to say, hey, 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 pull out of that story. I want to show you something that will give you much more pleasure. And so we drift away from God's plan for our lives. But what, what this tube means is that if you stay in that tube, if you stay in this journey here, if you realize your role in God's story, you 
will experience joy. You will experience the joy that God has for you. Realize your role and enjoy the journey. Otherwise, we're kind of just floating around, seeking pleasure and chasing shiny objects. One final thing before I wrap up. One of the reasons that some of us struggle with joy in our journeys is that we are a little bit of control freaks. I don't mean you. I mean some of the people sitting around. Sometimes we can get so stressed out about life, about things that we don't have control over, that we can't enjoy the season that we're in. We're stressed out about not knowing what's happening tomorrow, not knowing what's happening around the corner. And so as a result, there's, there's panic there. There's stress there. And we miss out on the joy. Tonight at 6 o'clock, John Michael Hinton is going to be back on the stage and he's going to do a full-blown magic show with us. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fun. He's going to talk about Jesus because he can't do this kind of thing without talking about Jesus. So um, invite folks, invite friends, and they will learn about Jesus and they'll laugh and we'll have a great time together. Some people don't like magic though because there's such an unknown with magic. Some people who are control freaks don't like magic because they, they can't explain it all. I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works, and so I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable with stress. But most people like magic. Most of us like it. We're comfortable with it, and we just laugh, and we say, wow, I can't believe it. How did he do that? That our brain says a dollar bill cannot just instantly change into a $100 bill. Our brain says that, but we're 10 feet away, and we say, it just did. It just did right in front of my eyes, and that was awesome. See, there's a, there's a mystery with magic. And we can either decide when some things are out, of, are out of control, we can either say, I'm going to panic because it's out of my control, or I'm going to enjoy the mystery. I'm going to be okay with the mystery. Some people like to figure out magic tricks. And so they want to find out how it's done, or talk to a magician, or go online and find the tricks, etc. And, and, and you know what, when, what happens when we do that is then the magic is, is no longer enjoyable. We might appreciate the skill with which it's done, but the magic fades away. It's like watching a movie with a great twist at the end and then being so clever that you figure it out before it happens. What's more enjoyable? Figuring out a twist before it happens and going, I knew that. Or letting the twist happen, letting the story roll over you and go, wow, that was awesome. Like some people, they watch Sixth Sense and they go, I see dead people. And, oh, I bet Bruce Willis's character is dead. And they go, oh, I figured that out early. Now, sorry if I ruined that movie for you, but it's been 30 years. So, so you know, get, get, catch up. Uh, but, you know, some people have to figure it out. And then others actually experience the joy of the mystery. Why can't we just come to God the Father in the midst of our imperfect relationships and just as and have the faith of a child that says, God, I can't figure this whole thing out, but I trust you. I trust you. I, I don't know how this whole thing works. I don't know how I can't explain it. I don't know how the dollar bill turned into a hundred dollar bill. I, I don't know what's around the corner, but I trust you. 
I trust your story. We get to decide if we believe in that tube or not. We get to decide if we want to be a part of that tube, that story of God, or not. So maybe we're not supposed to control our relationships. Maybe we're supposed to enjoy them and enjoy the mystery of them and be married for 30 years and still have things about your spouse that you're discovering because there's a mystery in that relationship. Maybe we're not supposed to control our situations in life. Maybe we're supposed to enjoy them, even the ones that remain a mystery. Maybe. Paul says, rejoice always. Always be joyful. Always means right now. Right now. Right here, right now. Not one day when you get that thing, accomplish that thing, have that relationship one day around the corner, not one day when you figure things out, but right now. Realize your role right now. Enjoy the journey right now. Enjoy your spouse. Don't, don't just be committed to him or her. Commitment is great. It's a great foundation. But don't just be satisfied with that. Enjoy your kids. Don't just manage them. If you're dating and you're wondering how far is this going to go, what are the next steps, etc., and, and you're thinking, I think we can make this work. I think, you know, I wrote it out on paper and did the pros and cons. I think we could make this work. But you clearly don't enjoy that person. Keep fishing. Keep fishing, because you, you've got to enjoy one another. It's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. Don't wait for the perfect relationship. Do you still enjoy that person? As you're working on the mysteries of imperfection, can you enjoy that person? If you are in covenant with somebody, enjoy that person. Remind yourself why you enjoy that person. And go for it. Go for it. Realize your role in God's story. And what happens, what flows out of that, is enjoying the journey, enjoying the ride. I want to pray with you. Would you uh, bow your heads with me? Actually, before I pray, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just, I just want to invite you on a brief experience with God the Father. Just imagine that you're sitting outside somewhere on a beautiful day. Look around at your surroundings, whatever would be the greatest environment for you right now. You're sitting down on some bench or steps. And God the Father, who's not a distant entity, but a loving Father, comes and sits next to you. And that Father, He knows what your circumstances are right now. He knows what relationship you're working on. What relationship brings stress in your life? He knows the pain that you're experiencing in your life. The many ways, the many reasons for you not to be experiencing joy right now. And he just says to you, nothing would please me more than you trusting me. 
Nothing would please me more than you trusting that I can do something with this relationship way better than what you can do on your own. Would you just, would you just walk with me? Would you just trust me? Our Father in heaven, thank you that you know us, you know our stories, you know our relationships, you know our deep desire for joy. And I thank you that you offer it to us. That you invite us into a grand, amazing story. And that when we respond to that, we will experience joy. God, I pray that you'd help us do that today. Help us do that in our, our afternoon conversations. Help us do that tonight as we gather and just laugh with, with, the, with, the, with the magic. God, help us this week to rejoice always. To not wait for something down the road, but to rejoice this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We have a prayer team that is going to gather up here in front, and they would love to pray with you about anything that's going on in your life. Otherwise, we will see you tonight at 6 p.m. God bless you guys. Have a great afternoon. Mm -hmm.